listeners, this is a podcast. It, it's podcast and players, and welcome. Uh, today, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest from uh, a sort of, kind of like a art, artist troupe online called the Shrieking <laughs> Wizards Co. They are the pioneers behind the High Hopes Low Rolls series, as well as several other series on their YouTube channel. Please, everybody, give it up for Jenny B. Hiya. <laughs> Hi. Artist troop is... I don't I don't know. Yeah, that sounds... The first time I've, we've been called that, but I'll take it. It sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like a, a collective or a... Yeah. A when we, when we uh, came together, we had like... We were like fresh out of uni, so we had like, you know... Uh, ideals, and we described ourselves as a collective <laughs> yeah, of creatives. Yeah, you were uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, thinking, oh, yeah. we'll change the world with our art. And then you did. Yeah, a little bit. Just just a little, you know, our little corner. How, how are you, man? I was going to ask you how you were doing before we started recording, but I listened to one of these with maybe Felix, and you told him off, so I, I withheld. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because a lot of the fun conversation ends up happening before I actually start the show, and I'm like, I gotta, we gotta just get into it, because that's like, what... unless, I mean, I know, I, I was on another podcast one time, and they do like a warm-up, like a 15-minute just chat oh, about yeah. anything and the but the when they start the podcast then we're talking about like a to, like a topic that they picked so mm-hmm. for a show like that it kind of makes sense to do a warm up to just get people like you know yeah sort of loosey goosey and ready flow. to yeah ready to you know chat to spill their secrets <laughs> yeah i suppose so but i f- i feel like in my experience with with the guests that i have on like y'all are fine talk like none of very few people get on here and are nervous. Most people are like, it's it's usually a problem if I have to talk too much because then I'm like, oh no, no, this is just they think that they're here to listen to me. That's not why they're here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, anybody who knows me will say that that's not going to be a problem today. I um am the uh the mouthpiece if you will for the shrieking wizard code i don't think anybody would disagree with that i do all the talking i answer all the emails <laughs> uh do you also run the twitter account i do can you tell yeah <laughs> uh, I, um, I, I you know i guess just a guess uh uh sometimes uh i'm in the middle of retweeting something and then i remember that i'm not on my account <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm thankful I don't have to run two accounts, but I run three. Shane. <laughs> oh, do you, wait, are you allowed to say the third I, one is? Yeah, yeah. It's um the high hopes of rolls one. Oh, so it's got at it. story of HHLR, which is basically basically just where I post the link for the comic update every week. Um, and then I retweet fan art and stuff on there. But yeah, no, I do get confused sometimes and not often in like super dangerous ways, but, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I think you probably get the vibe that I'm a fairly politically active person. And I don't think that that's really (laughs) what the wizard's account wants to be saying. (laughs) Seeing, you know... It would be very strange to see the Shrieking Wizards account tweet about <laughs> Boris Johnson in any pro or against, just in any regard, like he should not exist in that world. 
<laughs> uh yeah i don't know i think um if you watch our content we're not exactly quiet about our opinions i just think that um there is you know you have to put out what you want to get back right so if you put out a load of um uh let's say anger for example about the current government of the united kingdom then that you 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 are initiating that right you're engaging that and i don't also i don't want to have to reply to angry tweets so i shouldn't send them you know yeah and also a written record of it is sort of asking yeah, to different. fight yeah. people uh, you know <laughs> mm -hmm. like when because here's the weird thing like if you say it in one of your genshin playthroughs or something <laughs> only people who like you guys and like genshin are gonna have a chance mm -hmm. of discovering that and yeah. generally it's not gonna people aren't just are just not gonna care that you have an opinion yeah. on anything but if you post it on twitter there's always that chance that someone who has no context mm -hmm. for who you are or what you do sees that and decides I'm going to quote tweet this to my 500,000 followers. <laughs> We're all going to like clown on you and you're going to get a lot of hate and stuff. And like that happens to people. So mm, like it does. It super does. Um you, you know, like the uh platforms that we we work on, if you can call it that, you know, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of these places, they uh you know, the internet is driven by the attention economy, right? So if you can, this is why I'm so like, I feel, I feel like before we, when we were arranging this podcast, you were like, let's not talk politics. So I'll be, I'll be really quick here and just say like, it's really easy to say, to be popular and to be saying horrid shit all the time. Am I allowed to swear? I'm gonna anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, to answer your question. <laughs> Because you can say something like really uh, like offensive or like really stupid, for example, and and people will be like, it would be people are quick to jump and and tell you you're wrong or um, say you know you're an idiot or whatever. But like when they do that, they're engaging with the mm -hmm. post that you made and the platform the you know the algorithm quote unquote doesn't is completely blind it doesn't have any sense of the thing that you're saying is bad it just is like oh people are looking yeah. at this put it everywhere make more people Very see true. it so you know <laughs> i mean that's how steven crowder um, and others work uh it's just they they say really shocking outrageous things yeah, to like tons of people yeah uh, Piers Morgan gets paid to do it on TV. So, you know, very easy, very easy to to be an asshole and be be wealthy and famous so because you're of telling it. me there's a correlation to being wealthy and famous and being an asshole. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I'm going to be I'm going to take a villainous turn hmm. the rest of this podcast because I want to want to get some money. Uh, no, nah, okay. we'll uh Whoops. Let's, this, let's, this is going to be a Shane's This is Shane's my origin story. story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then 10 years down the line, I'm destitute. And then I'm like, what do you mean uh, correlation isn't causation? Um, well, I want to ask a little bit about... I know you've talked about this before on other uh, podcasts and stuff. Uh, I think. Pretty sure. 
apparently certainly you've talked about this before, but like I want to know, uh, just give the people a little bit of a a synopsis on how you and the wizards all sort of uh, met and started your your campaign and then decided to make a series out of it. Okay. Um, so, uh, the Shrieking Wizard Co. is six people. It's me, um, Amy, Alex, Jazz, Matt, and Beth. And uh, we all met at university. Uh, me, Jazz, Matt, and Beth, are, we all took the same course. Um, and <laughs> Amy, <laughs> Amy and Alex sort of hung out in our studio a lot. Um, and that's kind of how we, we know each other. Um, and, uh, we're incredibly good and close friends. And I think a lot of that is because of D and D's because of high hopes. Um, it was either very, very late 2015, like December, November, December, or early 2016, like January or February, because, uh, the studio roof was leaking because it was raining really hard and uh, it was dark outside <laughs> and um, Liam who is another friend of mine who isn't a wizard but is in the High Hopes game uh, was showing me clips of Critical Role on his phone or maybe even his iPod back then <laughs> uh, because I happen to know who Travis Willingham is because of my Deep dark past is a weeb. Uh, and uh, I had had like maybe, I don't know, 10 hours of experience playing D&D three and a half, I think, 3.5. Um, and I was like, you know what? We I just we just had to do it ourselves. You know, uh, if I want to play d and I'm just going to have to do it. So I said, <laughs> meet me in the library at the, when the, the lights go out and we'll play Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. And um, uh, yeah, everybody, my initial party turned up. Um, Katie, Liam, Jazz, Amy. Alex wasn't there then. Matt, Beth. Right. Because uh, the I whole first everybody. episode was um, Alex's character joining the party, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The first episode is um, Paddy joins the party. It's like his backstory uh, because, you know, it's a good entry point for an audience um, anyway, but also because I had to explain <laughs> basically Paddy's backstory as uh, the audience sees it in both the animation and the comic is how, basically how I explained everything to Alex like hey look all this stuff is going on and this is what you know um and oh look you had to join this group of weirdos you meet them in a tavern the classic D, &D story <laughs> um uh yeah and then uh we played D, D once a week for basically three years the whole of our university experience and then um at the end of our final year of university, we had done some, so uh, my degree is in uh, theatre arts, it's prop making and special effects, mm. so 
it's very it was like very hands-on like my dissertation was only five thousand words for example uh because of the bulk of the credit was a collaborative unit where we had to form a fake company and do work together interesting uh, building stuff or whatever putting on shows um and then the final uh like assessment piece was a you had to put on an event so put on an exhibition that kind of thing um and at the end of that we were kind of like well we we, we you know I really like you guys. You, you know, you're my, uh, you're my found family. So let's keep trying to do this. Um, at some point, then over the next year, my here's the thing: my memory is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember being on the train with Alex on the way to Amy's house out in the sticks, um, uh. And, you know, taking uh, this city boy out to um, see Amy so that we could work on chapter zero. But I have literally no idea how we got there, like how how we started that. Um, I don't know whose idea it was. Um, I just remember Alex being like, oh, my God, a bear. And I was like, that's a cow lying down <laughs> in the field. <laughs> we don't even have bears in this country. Um <laughs> And yeah, uh, Chapter Zero, the animation took a couple of months. I think Alex had originally done this speed paint of uh, a poster he designed for my birthday of the whole party. And he put the speed paint on his channel. And there was like a lot of like really positive feedback from that. It was like, hey, we'd like to know this story. And I don't really know how that turned into Chapter Zero, but it did. <laughs> oh. Uh, and that's us, really. That's that's our that's our origin story. Cool. Uh, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, the fact that you guys met in college and then graduated and stayed friends is pretty big in and of itself. Yeah, um, I get the vibe that 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 doesn't really happen very often. But um, you know, there's. Uh... I mean, I hear that people meet friends in college. I hear that's a thing that happens. Um, I went to college for six years, and I don't really talk to anybody from college because I didn't like anybody in my program, really. <laughs> I think it, it depends, right? On uh, Well, it, like everything, I think university is like super subjective. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on... You know, what you're doing, what your experience is like, what's happening to you outside of university at the same time, you know, like um, my first year was really, really exhausting because our course was nine to five, Monday to Friday. And then I and, you know, if you could put in the extra hours in the evenings, the building was open to seven. So, you know, most of us were there till seven um, and then I would work the weekends in order you know eat food right. <laughs> and pay their rent um so when it came to uh the end of the first year and we had a summer break i really like i crashed super hard and when i came up out of that i was like oh uh i you know there's like people around me <laughs> you know like you you can like properly engage with what was going on so i think it, it super depends on 
what's happening, you know, to you, to yeah. your friends, to the course, is the roof leaking, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I had a very, um, you know, the American college system is not good. <laughs> Uh, uh, I get that vibe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in general, it's just not a good time. Uh, I I went to a community college, which is like a two-year college, uh, mm -hmm. and it's affordable. I could pay for it out of pocket. I just had to work while I went to college, so that was like mm -hmm. a... <clears throat> that was a two-year thing. It lasted three years because there was like a rare class that they wouldn't... They wouldn't, like, host until they had enough students registering for it. Right. So I had to I wait, see. like, two whole semesters before I could actually take this class. <laughs> and that was, it was fine, but, like, I worked almost full-time throughout most of that. And I just drove from home. Then I transferred those credits over to a, a four-year university. So I didn't have to really do any gen eds. I could just focus on, like, a main thing. But... Uh, that was like 10 times the price, literally like a thousand percent the the fucking price that uh, I was paying for community college. And I still didn't have enough money to like live on campus. So like I never got to like be have the dorm experience mm. or anything like that. And like my my degree was creative writing. So like I'm surrounded by a lot of like kind of like. Most of the people in my my uh, program, their writing would be super emo, overly dramatic. <laughs> like, they took themselves very seriously. Very seriously. Yeah, yeah no I one was writing right. for fun. Everyone was writing mm -hmm. to, like, fucking be art, artsy and, like, Shane, make a statement. Shane, I went to theater school. I know the type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, imagine that's everybody. And only, like, two people can actually pull that off. Like... There's, like, two people who are like, wow, you're actually really fucking good, and, like, I get mm -hmm. lost in, like, the fucking amazing writing of your world, and then the rest of you are really need to, like, dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would write mm -hmm. stuff to be fun, and I would be called cliche for it. And I, that's when I was like, I don't like any of you. Exhausting. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, you're. It's like you might be right, but you don't have to call me cliche. That sucks. No one <laughs> wants to be called cliche. I don't actually think there's anything particularly wrong with cliches. I I I think that um, a lot of bad writing happens when you're trying to. Um, Subvert, like, subvert, 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 like everything. Yeah. Just like consistently being like, oh, I, well, I can't do that because they'll they'll be expecting it. But, you know. Sometimes, sometimes we like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's what I want, you know. And, you know, you box yourself into into corners like you literally paint yourself into the corner of a room where you're like, well, this is the only path that I can take because all of the others are super cliche and that's bad writing. But I don't think it is. You know, it's it's fine to have it, it. It's only really bad when the cliche is the twist, because the twist is supposed mm -hmm. to be unexpected. So if your twist yeah. was expected from chapter one, that's mm -hmm. a bad twist. You've got to either make it less foreshadowed so that it's a little bit more of a surprise, but don't, mm -hmm. but not for like not like. Obviously, you need a little bit of foreshadowing because if it just comes out of left field, uh, the reader's going to be like disconnected to it. Like, what? You know? 
Um, mm -hmm. You got to blow people's minds uh, and do it without <laughs> them knowing that that's what's going to happen. Which is hard. That's hard to do. Uh, and I understand that. And like, I'm not trying to tell, say that everybody in that uh, program was not great. It's just they had a sort of holier than thou attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if the, everybody's there. The, the great thing about universities, universities, excuse me, the university experience is that you can uh, fail safely, right? About the education experience. So that's true of your whole education experience. It's just that when you're at university, you're slightly more of an adult, right? You have more context for the world and being able to fail, you know, make a load of mistakes uh, and do so without yeah. there being any like extreme consequences to your person means that you can kind of be as creative as you like. Um, yeah. Uh, I yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Like I'm not upset because mm -hmm. by doing it, I, I gained a lot of skills in writing because what you would do, they'd do workshops where you'd write something and then it would get torn the hell apart by everybody. Um, <laughs> and that was like super helpful. It allows you to grow a thick skin and not get too, not identify so much with what you're writing. Um, mm -hmm. But it also uh, allows you to like learn how other people interpret your writing. It's like, yeah. I write stuff. I think this is great. I like what I'm writing, but then someone else could read it and be like, "This is a bit convoluted," or like, "This is these tropes don't really do much for your mm -hmm. story," or something like that. It's like, okay, these are good criticisms that make me have to rethink critically. Like, am I writing this the best way that I could write it? Could I like change some things about this? Um, and that's a that's very valuable. And like having yeah college do that was really helpful. And then also taught me that. Uh, I don't, so I don't really like reading and, and full stop. Um, <laughs> I'm not much of a reader. I don't read books. Mm -hmm. I, I read stuff online cause I'm online all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I don't. Do you listen to stuff? Do you like, you're on a podcast or an audiobook listener or are you just not? I not, I mean, I used to, it's hard to concentrate. I, I do a lot of like. Mm -hmm audio work and so like i can't listen to an audiobook oh, right, while i'm yeah. like editing mm -hmm. this podcast for example or yeah, something. yeah yeah that's been a real killer for me recently actually is um doing uh video editing that's uh like really keyframe heavy so where like i'm like moving sprites around or whatever and there's there are these pauses in the audio of the video that are a couple of minutes long whilst I'm fiddling around and by the time I get to the end of that I'm like I really need something on in the background I really need to be listening to something and then I immediately have to turn it off again because I have to start the video up again it's real tough yeah um it... have you uh you must have seen that meme um where this kid's like looking at his phone he's got his laptop on and there's a tv on and also there's like the speakers are blaring in the background and it's like um uh consuming everything all at once all the time to prevent the possibility of a thought occurring <laughs> <laughs> i have not I have, i've seen people make comics with that premise of like like adhd comics and stuff where mm -hmm. uh they work better when they have a bunch of shit happening or yep. if they have nothing happening at all like pure silence it's like mm -hmm. they need one or the other if there's if there's only one thing happening 
that pulls all their attention to it. Yeah, I feel that. That's I feel that mood. Um, apart from uh, the writing is the one thing that I can't do with any noise. Um, I mean, you know, sort of ambient house noise, like you know, if my housemates are moving around, or if you know somebody's just mowing the lawn outside or whatever, then that's fine. But like music, for example, um, the the fastest way to to pull me away from the writing is to put literally any sort of like thing that I might also wish to engage with around me. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. It's also music will music is great for visual stuff. Like if I'm doing art, music's good for that. Cause I can get into a flow and then I can just mm -hmm. forget about how long something's taking. Cause it's like, I'm enjoying a song while yeah. I'm making this art. And so it's not so bad. Um, any type of audio stuff though it's like that require as someone with adhd doing audio editing is torture because it requires so much of your attention to fo like be focused on a thing sometimes though yeah. i will say if the conversation is like really just flowing and good i don't i sometimes just get lost in listening to the thing again and then i'm not really even editing out us and ums because I don't need to. Like, it's yeah, already so yeah, good. Just it's like listening to it. <laughs> yeah, just listening to it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes that um, works out, but uh, other times, like if someone's nervous or if I'm just not able to speak for whatever reason, <laughs> those are the rough ones. It's like, oh man, I really got to edit this one down. Uh, I found um, <laughs> that I often end up doing this thing where I'm like supposed to be listening with the intention of you know what you just said pulling out the the breaks or the ums or the stuff that's in the way um but i'm just i just end up actually just listening to it <laughs> and then you get 20 minutes in and you're like well that's that's great i mean you enjoyed that 20 minutes but now you have to go and listen to it again yeah <laughs> that's really annoying <laughs> i try not to overly edit only because you'll go crazy that way like yeah there's just too much like I, you are. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. There was Brogan, and there was Mario, and there was Logan, and now there's Jen. So you are the fourth podcast as of recording that I I am now gonna need to edit. And <laughs> yeah, I've that's got this. A lot. It's a lot. Yeah, that's like four hours. I'm gonna have to mm -hmm. more than that. Probably twice as much time generally. That's. A full day's worth of work just editing mm -hmm. four conversations. But like I I'm excited to do it. It's just I know that it's like one of those things where you have to you really just have to be like focused on it. And when you got ADHD, yeah, good freaking luck. Um I'm really fortunate that all of uh the wizards audio goes through our uh sound engineer and our composer oliver moore does all of that for us um literally anytime i've recorded something i can just shoot it to him and be like please can you make this can you pass your you know, magic over this make it sound good <laughs> make it good please yeah um, uh, i mean so i'm really lucky <laughs> that is yeah that's the cool thing i mean one of the things i think fascinated me about the shrieking wizards is that you guys are actually like a team with different responsibilities and roles and stuff mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool yeah a really uh quite um disparate no that's not the word like varied 
uh, skill set. Um, I do not have any visual art skills at all. Uh, none. <laughs> Uh, which is, uh, I suppose, a little bit weird considering I took a uh, visual arts uh, degree. But um, like my uh, initial backgrounds, like before my degree, all of my education and preparation was for me to take uh, international politics at Aberystwyth University. Ah, <laughs> um, so you had a different major in the beginning too. Yeah. Um, my... Uh, alignment was basically to shoot me into uh i was the the plan was that i was going to be in brussels right like i was going to be uh in the european parliament um uh and then i don't know that that season where you're supposed to fill in all of the forms and apply for university I had a bit of a breakdown i was like i don't want to do this i don't want to do this and i did two years of shitty retail work instead which i don't know why i thought that, that would be better <laughs> Um, You're processing. We you were just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and then I flipped into uh, props, which is when obviously I met uh, all of the dudes um, at the Wizards. Uh, but uh, because I don't have any, I mean, this is just one example of this, but I don't have any visual um, skills at all. I'm kind of reliant on the other guys to do that kind of stuff for me right like speed paints and um uh you know i write the comic but i certainly don't have a hand in drawing it <laughs> um you know i, I do a lot of video editing because that's something that i can do um but we are um yeah we're a bit of a machine the we have like systems and processes what was this uh which is uh it's a challenge and it's a luxury you know like if you're an independent person you can just do stuff right like you could decide oh i want to make this thing and then you can just make it and publish it or whatever as long as you have the skills um but you have to do the whole thing on your own <laughs> you have to be good at everything yep. um i have the luxury of not having to create visual art you know i can write the script and then do some organizing to get some voice actors in and then somebody else can do the art and that's really nice <laughs> yeah and like you can just trust that they'll figure that part out yeah exactly I mean, I, I had my first taste of collaborative work recently. I was on a Discord call with Aiden and Tabaxi Cafe and uh, my friend Dieter. And we were like, I had nothing to do in the in the moment. And I just, as a joke, I was like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we just all like did a collab? And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we're a bunch of content creators with nothing to do. And we've, we, you know, the night is young. <laughs> we could just make a really short little collab where like somebody writes something and you pass it to the next person and then that person does the next step and then pass it over and just do that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And we did that Man. and it's like the most popular video on some of our channels <laughs> because of it. Yeah. Um, and also isn't like creative collaboration just the it's just the best um it's it is the most emotionally fulfilling form of creation for me um i think of uh 
you, you know, like some of the best writing experiences I've ever have have been writing room-esque scenarios where I've sat with a couple of people and we've, you know, I've been furiously taking notes whilst we've been talking about the, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the world of Arcadden, for example, because um, you get to bounce your creativity off of somebody else's and that yeah. is so good so satisfying that's it's a lot easier in my experience to do that yeah that too because like <laughs> someone's like you know poke me with a stick and be like come up with an idea an idea it's like i what i can't just do that <laughs> that's illegal i can't do that but like <laughs> if someone else had like a funny idea or like maybe they have a premise they don't know where to go with it i could usually take that somewhere like as a mm -hmm. dm that's really helpful too because like my players will have this sort of like undefined concept. They're like, this is the the race or the class that I want to play as. Here's the general play style that I'm thinking. And I really want this aspect to be in my story. I just don't know how to incorporate it into anything. And I'll have a, a knowledge of like the world. So then I'll just take that and be like, here's an idea. And then just completely brainstorm like a, a backstory on the fly and be like, does that work? Nine times out of ten, they're like, yeah, that works. And, like, mm -hmm. we'll just go for for that, which is kind of mm -hmm. cool. Like, I, I sometimes like like to remind them, like, look, this is an idea. If you don't like this one, we could do a different idea. But usually they're, like, cool with it. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I could come up with a backstory that interesting on my own. Like, I needed that their premise in order to do that. Otherwise, like, my characters are usually... I feel personally a little more boring because I like to play the same <laughs> kinds of characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing wrong with um, that. But like, I think that's part of the spirit of collaboration is you make something bigger or more interesting mm -hmm. than what you could have done just on your yeah, own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Bigger than the sum of its parts. I, is that the saying? You know. <laughs> more valuable than the sum of its parts i don't I mean, yeah I yeah add the it. sum of the thing to the together to the make a thing yeah that yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. saying <laughs> that's the saying yeah yeah something addition subtraction uh so anyway <laughs> uh yeah I, I i noticed like i i really like collaboration but i also am a stubborn son of a bitch and that's how i get things done <laughs> But it's also the reason why it's harder for me to collaborate because it's like I have like maybe if I have a vision about something, then mm -hmm. it's harder for me to let go of that vision the way that I see it. So like, yeah, with my my Peace Guild series, I've already set the bar really high by making it fully colored and like pretty animated, you know, like it's animated ish. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> And like, it's very polished, right? I I, I would say, I could say that confidently. It's very polished, but like, that took a lot of time each episode, and so to keep doing that by myself, I'm realizing that's not sustainable. I can't keep doing this on my own because like, then nothing comes out at all on my channel, yeah. and like people mm -hmm. forget who I am. And then, like, <laughs> the channel doesn't grow. So even if, like, another Peace Guild episode comes out, it's been way too long between episodes. So mm -hmm. then it's like, well, okay. I'm, but I don't have money for a team. And I don't have cool, <laughs> awesome college friends that 
we all love each other and want to like work on this thing together. So like, I have to like, kind of pace myself in a way. It's like, all right, if I am able to get income to then get a team, and not even just a team, just a couple people to like help out, mm-hmm. then I could feel good because one, I'm paying them fairly, and two, now I've delegated the workout to where I don't have to make this whole thing on my own, and I shouldn't because it's way too complex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be. I think there's a lot to be said in in there, right? Like, um, there being, uh, when something is so valuable to you that you're precious with it, that can be really destructive to the creative process. I think, um because okay so the greatest uh piece of advice I-, I have ever received is uh was from uh the technician <laughs> uh who was this like this like old he was not that old he's in his like late 50s <laughs> um ancient this ancient man a- this ancient man uh prop maker who had worked on like a bunch of like different sets he'd been on a bunch of different batman movies and he was like this you know like classic old rocker and he would like sit in the office which is mostly just a cupboard if we're honest like sculpting dinosaurs right this really cool dude who was like uh there's two things you have to remember when you're making stuff the first one is that a a, a finished thing is better than a perfect thing that's never finished um and you you know the thing in its entirety because you made it you know every single floor you can see when you look at this you see a fishing net with a load of holes in it but when the audience looks at it, they see a tapestry. Uh, you just have to, you just have to finish it. Yeah. And being able to sort of let go, and like hand it off to other people, is a huge part of that. And it's really hard. <laughs> like it's really difficult when you care about stuff. It is. It really is. Because, like, I've been, I feel guilty. Because, like, the last Peace Field episode I made came out in January. And. Yeah, man. We, we, we were there. Yeah. <laughs> I have been there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it sucks. But at the same time, I have, I, like, you guys decided as, like, as a team that it was in your best interest to change the format of the mm-hmm. story because it yeah. wasn't sustainable to keep doing what you were doing <laughs> yeah at about the same time that uh dinko was like hey do you want to join the animators guild and we were like yeah like literally like two weeks later we were like we're not animating anything anymore <laughs> thanks for the membership <laughs> so, bitch <laughs> we're just like hiding in the background hoping that nobody notices <laughs> right um but yeah, the um, uh, yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, animation is fucking hard, and we weren't really. Uh, you know, I'm gonna call us out and say that we weren't really animating anything. It's an animatic. Um, uh, but it takes a long time, and even with six people, it takes a really long time. Um, 
and the uh, like we were saying earlier the internet's uh, like economy is based on attention it rewards consistent uploads yeah it really does you know uh and only being able to put out three episodes in two years is not consistent <laughs> uh so yeah. we <sighs> to red teams god <laughs> it was it was interesting because i remember working on my show at the same time you guys working on yours so like anytime you'd release something mm -hmm. i was like oh man I, I better hurry up and release my thing too <laughs> uh and it was like the fact that you guys decided, even as a, a big group, that like, all right, we're going to make this. We all want to make this, but we're just not going to mm -hmm. do it this way. We're going to do it a different way. Is It's a relief to see that you made that decision and you're confident with it and you're rolling with it because that has clued me in that, hey, I don't have to do the kind of the same thing that you guys started doing by myself like i can get help if i want to keep that mm -hmm. or i can change my format as well like it's not yeah, exactly yeah uh you know like like i say a done thing is better than a thing that's perfect and never finished nothing is um I, th I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as as content creators if you can if you can call us that um uh to have stuff be a specific way um you can get really caught up i is uh, something i really struggle with was getting caught up in the um not necessarily the numbers but the uh the analytics right where uh you'll you know when you open the youtube studio there's like a like a little widget on the side or whatever that's like Oh, here's the news from YouTube, and also here's some stuff that you can do. And also, here's a bunch to... of red numbers telling yeah, you how you much you've to... failed recently. <laughs> have you been to YouTube you or whatever? Have you watched all of our tutorial videos? You know, I can get really sucked up in the uh, the idea of behaving the correct way, of behaving the way that YouTube wants you to behave, mm -hmm. as opposed to just making cool shit um and uh you know like the thing about moving to webtoons is that uh alex said why don't we why don't we make this a comic because you know comics are my um my is my background it's my forte and kind of as soon as he said that we all thought yeah, no, that's that's a better idea. That's just a better idea. And then the way, and you know, the longer we thought about it, um, and the more we talked about it, the more sort of confident we became. And when it came to putting the first, you know, putting out the message that said we're not making this anymore, we're doing it on a different platform and we're doing it in a different format. I was a little bit nervous because, you know, uh, migrating an audience from one platform to another is really hard. You are always going to lose some people in the process. But I was so sure that it was the right thing to do that I, the sort of fuck it, it doesn't matter kind of overwhelmed any sense of like nervousness I had. Um, it, it was kind of like... 
it, you know, it just didn't matter. Like it was, it, this was so much the right thing to do that it, that it, it was going, I just knew it was going to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and thankfully I was correct. It did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you, you have like a very invested audience because these characters are very interesting and like even though <laughs> nice. i've only seen like the animated uh segments and stuff it's like you're doing a lot of really cool setup stuff that a lot of people playing D wish they had for their characters in real oh, life so like you. they're seeing i think i think there's a lot of like analogs between like the characters that you guys made and played and care about uh and and they're like backstories and then like stuff that other people have made or want to make and they're seeing that play out mm -hmm. and they're like i must see how what <laughs> I, you know i got to see how this this plays yeah. cuz it's like um it's very i, I think I, it makes we it have interesting they i mean like i think high hopes as it is at the moment as people know it uh still has like really big first D&D character vibes and i think a lot of people can relate to that Especially like you know, D&D's had its this renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, a lot of people are making D&D characters for the first time, and you know, um, apart from the fact that like, <laughs> you know, there's a dragon man, and uh, you know, there's magic and stuff. I think they're all pretty honest characters, and I think. That that's what it is. I think that's why people can kind of relate to them. Yeah. I mean, there's like, that's my writer's opinion anyway. I mean, I think they look cool. <laughs> I mean, they both are true. Uh, it's yeah. D and D is one of those things that like, I I've talked to other guests about it where it's like I'm surprised consistently how I'm not tired of it yet, and I don't know if yeah. I ever will be because it's this ever changing mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> And yeah, I honestly don't know anything uh, quite like it, to be honest, where I consistently want to be doing it. Um, uh, you know, like there are video games are probably the closest analogy that I have where uh, I like, let's say Hades, for example, when I finally got my hands on Hades, I, <laughs> I I, could not do anything but play that. I mean, we're experiencing that with Genshin Impact right now, except I'm living that out on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm forcing Ink into that experience with me. Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, Hades had this, and I'm sure Genshin will eventually, where I put it down once and then i don't go back to it for six months a year uh but dnd hasn't had that for me it's been consistent since i uh picked up the i didn't pick up the dmg our first our first session we had one physical handbook between all of us <laughs> hey that's the way it's been played for years yeah um when i you know that first session it's been in the back of my mind all of the time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we're super lucky, those of us who are into D&D, we're lucky at the moment because, uh, you know, not only are we able to produce uh, these stories that we really care about, but also other people are telling 
some really good D&D stories that they're just constant they're they're always new there's tons of stuff to watch and listen to and consume it's a good time to be a D&D fan <laughs> yeah it really is hey speaking of <laughs> uh dimension 20 is something that you is enjoy this talk about dimension 20 <laughs> uh, yeah look we, we've talked about the production and being artists and creators and stuff like that but you know what that's mm-hmm. a conversation that i'm always interested in but i know my audience not all of you are content creators i know that you don't all relate to that but you're here because you like dungeons and dragons and hey if anyone here has heard of Dimension 20 and you're like, isn't that like Discount Critical Role? Fuck you! It's not Discount Critical Role. It is my really favorite not. live play, uh, <laughs> uh, I would say series, but they're like uh, like groups of series. Like they have yeah. multiple campaigns. They're a lot shorter. It really is a dimension. Yeah, there's like 20 dimensions. Uh it's a lot shorter and easier to digest than Critical Role is. Mm-hmm. Critical Role episodes are four hour long, unedited, just like I get bored. I get so freaking bored with Critical Role. I know some people are super duper big fans of that group of people and that's mm-hmm. how they get through yeah. it because they're like, I just love seeing them in silence is fine. Like that's even that's entertaining and it's like good for you. To me, they're just people. I don't actually really know them or, or I'm not really huge fans of any of them. So, like, I get bored. I'm like, this is, like, not because it's boring, really, but because this is just a normal D&D game to me. Like, I'm just yeah. listening to them. They're just very in character. And I'm like, this is cool. But, like, I'm not even playing. So, I'm not, like, that interested. Um, <laughs> so, with Dimension 20, how is that better? Because they're all, like, comedians. <laughs> they're all very funny people and they're like you know even if the the game has like a really silly premise like uh a crown of candy where everyone's made of candy and food and stuff it's game of thrones level serious and it's like the most serious <laughs> game that they ever played it's so fucking funny i laugh so hard and i've it's so good yeah it's the only I... game i animated shit from like that wasn't my own um, let's talk about let's talk a little bit broader before we like because I, I like knowing us we're gonna get sucked into the specifics of Dimension 20 really quickly I, I feel like I want to just do a little bit of an ad for them, if you will. In please, sense please that, advertise like, for them. And if anyone so from Dimension good. 20 is listening, I would love to work for you. Holy I would shit, absolutely love to work for you. I'm you guys are there. fucking so cool. I don't look, I don't use any streaming services except Dropout. I do pay for Dropout yeah. and I love it. Um, I think that so. I watch Critical Role, I listen to the Adventure Zone, and I watch Dimension 20, right? I'm in all three of the You're giants. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that they're all good, and I think that they're all different. And uh, I think that that is both a testament to Dungeons and & Dragons and also to the people who are running these shows, right? Um, I feel like Critical Role is like core D and D, right? Like the rules are the rules and um the uh cast are actors so you have these like really uh, beautiful um role playing moments um uh and the episodes are four hours long and you know it's like the the core D and D experience and I think that's why 
it's done so well. It has a lot of heart. Um, and then obviously the adventure zone, I think is the other end where it's really goofy, but it has also, it can be really, really serious. Um, I mean, if you like the McElroy's, then you know what it is, right? Yeah. Um, Dimension 20 is, it's, it's something, it's, it's, it's another, it's a, almost another thing, right? Like you have all of these different shows for starters. Um, I'm currently, I'm very close to the end of season two of The Unsleeping City, which I have enjoyed so much. It's so good. Um, but there's tons of stuff on there that I really love um magic and misfits which is uh dm by abria abria Iyengar, um who is like living the dream at the moment she yeah just, she's uh, dipping her fingers in all three of those she's gonna yeah, be i don't know if you exactly. saw the news as of recording this she's going to be dming the next uh adventure zone balance yeah. arc like yeah yeah the it's called imbalance and she's the new dm and they're ever uh, the malcowries are reprising their characters and griffin's yeah. gonna play a new dude i mean fucking hell abria is the coolest person on earth you cannot convince me otherwise um uh and then uh what else you got on dimension 20 you've got um uh, fantasy high is City. the one look if you want fantasy high there's that yeah, okay actually should start actually all right that's a great start but that's a full-length campaign if you're still not convinced listeners if you're like mm, i don't know if i got time uh, or if you're like critical role uh fans and you're just like look i love critical role because i love those people but i don't know these other people hey <laughs> i get it i get that why don't you check out uh, Escape from the Blood Keep. This is all on YouTube. Escape mm -hmm. from the Blood Keep because Matt Mercer is a character <laughs> in this and it's a shorter game. It's like six episodes long. So, and like the, the way that they were doing it was there'd be a role play episode and then a battle episode, then a role play episode and so on. They'd alternate. So like, yeah, you can mm -hmm. watch the six episode series all for free on YouTube right now. And watch Matt Mercer play. Be a player, which is really nice. By the way, Matt has been on several uh, Dimension 20 series. So he's like, he likes playing with Brennan and, and that group. Like, he, he's really mm -hmm. into it. So, like, there's a lot of crossover here that you could be getting. And generally, in my experience... Dimension 20 has better editing, better set pieces because they do these 3D battles on these battle maps mm -hmm. that people like make. And uh, they are also just a bit funnier. Personally, I think that there's just a bit more of a yeah. focus because a lot of the people in that group are from college humor. So their improv skills yeah, yeah, are yeah. fucking really good. I yeah, I mean like Critical Role it, when it when it's funny, it's funny because it's like a group of mates laughing together. Um, like the, for example, the intro of the Halloween episode where they're all dressed up as, as each other. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Because you know, doing impressions of your friends is funny. Um. But I, I mean. Okay, so Dimension 20 tends to be like super RP heavy, right? It's like Brennan, when the, well, the stories that Brennan has um, DM'd, there's like clearly, he's not railroading, but like he's setting up um, 
and almost knocking over. He's a lot, you know, he's giving his players information um, so that they can have these really satisfying conclusions and story beats, right? Um, uh, and you, you just wouldn't have that on in the same way on Critical Role, I don't think. Um, the thing that really, really got me for Dimension 20 is Tiny Heist with the McElroys. Because, I mean, fuck me. <laughs> uh, Justin uh, being Rick Diggins um, is, Rick is genius. <laughs> it's comedic genius. Like being this Lego man who is like insanely depressed. But when he puts on the Lego suit of like the dinosaur or whatever, yeah. he's like a completely different uh, person. Rick Diggins about town. Uh... Yeah, Rick Diggins. <laughs> yeah, Lieutenant Rick Diggins. Oh, fuck me. Um, and in the same breath, like Griffin is... Um, like this tiny little monk like hell yeah <laughs> this is also by the way the first episode of tiny heist is also available for free on youtube yeah. so if you're curious mm -hmm. about how the adventure zone boys uh you know fare on a on a uh you know dimension 20 game this is a really good way to see that again dimension 20 is run by the people who uh were from college humor after the website mm -hmm. shut down they still run basically all that stuff all these shows on dropout and dimension 20 mm -hmm. is sort of their breadbasket because brennan lee mulligan is maybe I mean, the best dm that i've ever seen and genius yeah the way that mm -hmm. he is able to make npcs unforgettable is so <laughs> i envy that i i'm dming today by the way i didn't mention it i am doing after month, um, like two month hiatus, because at Gen Con I did two sessions with my group, and we were gonna uh, we were playing Curse of Strahd, and then schedules just weren't working out. They just weren't. And somebody in our group, I'm not gonna name who, but they said that if we couldn't figure it out by like the end of next month, they were gonna just bail. And someone else basically agreed that said they put all this work in their character, they would just bail too. And I'm like, if that happened, I think I'd bail on life. I would be so fucking depressed that I put all this work in and people couldn't figure out the schedule thing. I would, I was like, uh, so the fact that we're playing today, I'm super excited. And mm -hmm. my biggest influence, I have to say, is Brennan's way of making... Stories matter to characters. His hooks are yep. really good. Mm -hmm. And his characters nothing, are like... There's nothing that doesn't get pay, like a payout, right? Nothing nothing comes up. Almost, it feels like almost everything is intentional, right? You have to like pay attention to the stuff that they're saying because... Um, stuff that seems weird or, you know, little story beats or whatever that are, you think are minor or just for that moment will come back later in like such a big way it's so fucking good <laughs> it's so good it's and like he does not plan half of this shit because it's with someone who's as chaotic as emily axford uh in in their groups she's <laughs> yeah. for, for reference you can look on my channel uh there's a, a video that's called uh figs disguise okay <laughs> Emily Axford is the one who plays Fig. She's the one who decided to disguise herself as the dwarf who was threatening her friend in front of him and tell him to <laughs> get away. 
Um, um, her laugh as well uh, really <laughs> fills me with so much joy. Yeah. Like it's so rewarding <laughs> to like even the little jokes, and she gets she has that really big belly laugh just like <laughs> in the background somewhere. I love her; she's great. <sighs> Fucking um, Sophie uh, Lee or Sophie Bicicletta. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Fucking just incredible, all of them. Um, uh, there so far there hasn't been a Lou character that I haven't absolutely loved. Um, Jammer and Kingston and I mean Kingston Brown. Uh, wow, <laughs> what a great character! Kingston Brown is-, is. I wanted to make a video about Kingston Brown, and I just I I recorded a bunch of season one of Unsleeping City. And I have it on my desktop. It's called, it's an audacity file called Ode to Kingston. And I'm looking <laughs> at it and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to animate this. I think I just want to listen to it again and again. Because I just really like <laughs> Kingston. It's not like, he's not funny. He's just, God, he's such a good character. Like It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Always really excellent character choices. And, uh... Just know, like, when you know a character as a when you're a player and you know your character really, really well, you can make really, really good choices that are, you know, they just they feel good in the story, right? They feel good in the moment, right? Um, just the way that uh, Lou as Kingston can uh, slot himself into basically any situation with any npc like you can see him like listening for the name from brennan for him to be able to be like oh hey man like how are you doing it's been a really long time since i've seen you right so that brennan can feed back the oh hey kingston brown from uptown right yeah yeah (sighs) it's really good it's he's he's i mean they're great (laughs) at improv with each other it's why losing Mm -hmm. a lot of because there's like their core group of people. Fantasy High, by the way, if people don't know, that's their like main uh, story that they started with. The whole first season is free on YouTube, so you could also watch mm-hmm. that if you like to escape from the Blood Keep and you're not quite convinced that you want to pay for Dropout. Yeah, that's fine. You can check out Fantasy High; it's amazing. Um, that group of college Schumer uh, people—they are all the sort of core Dimension Twenty group. Uh, Lou is in multiple other Dimension 20 ones where they have like changes in the cast because Mm -hmm. him and Brennan just get along so well. (laughs) They're like, they're just, they have really great chemistry uh, together. And so like, it's, it's really fun to kind of see him come in on like Misfits of Magic was another one actually. Um, So good. This was a, this was a side story that was DM'd by Abria instead of uh, Brennan, but Brennan was a player truly excellent i just great i loved it mm-hmm. yeah and like mm-hmm. and like i i still i think i still prefer brennan as dm just because of his voices i think his accent work is crazy <laughs> the fact that he yeah. has so many under his belt is just astounding to me however seeing getting the opportunity to see uh, one a different system in dming style was really nice but also <laughs> to see brennan as a player was really nice I like seeing because yeah, he gets. It's a real pleasure, isn't it? Like he, <sighs> yeah. 
uh, there's just something about the way he can, like Evan Clump, a Kelp, 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 and then every every choice is just uh just like really uh, really well chosen. It's genius. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we're gushing about the our favorite fucking live play series. If you're not into live play series, I'm I apologize uh, if this was all like very unrelatable to you. I really hope though and, that hey, if you're not into live play series, I have one that's not live play that you can go uh, read. It's called High Hope Slow Rolls. Yeah, yeah. There's also right, High Hope Slow Rolls is pretty good. I've also heard of one called The Peace Guild. That one's pretty decent. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good too. Yeah. Um look, I, I hope that we convinced some people to check these series yeah. out. The, the big three, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, and Dimension 20. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, look, the I can only say it, as like a final thing to convince people to watch Dimension 20, and I guess the others as well, is that, you know, they say that you as a writer that you should read, right? You should uh, consume a lot of other people's stuff. And I think that's true. Um of everything, right? Like if if you wanted to make games and you should play video games, if you uh, want to bake cake, you should eat cake, right? Some of the best lessons I have had as a dungeon master have come from watching or listening uh, other people's stuff. Um, and, and that's like a direct, they're a direct influence. Um, like listening to the adventure zone made our series tv tv what it is yeah so you should 100 percent if if you can't do it for the love of it do it for the research <laughs> yeah the research is i mean they even talk about that uh they have a podcast so brennan has a podcast called adventuring academy and he talks about how with he was with murph and and he was like i think i think there's a short on youtube about it where uh, Murph was making the argument like you are a better DM than you would believe if you've watched all of Fantasy High or you watch any of the mm -hmm. Dimension 20 uh, yep. shows because you're basically in on these games. You are learning how to DM from games like these. So even if you've never yep, DM'd exactly. a game, you've only played, but you've watched tons of Dimension 20, you are more, way more prepared to DM than you could ever believe. Yep. Mm hmm yeah, I think I uh, for a little while there was that period where um, Critical Role was kind of the only thing or it was the the most well-known thing of its class. And I think a lot of, you know, there's like that myth of the DM shortage, right? I think a lot of that actually comes from that period where Critical Role was like, hey, why don't you play some D&D? &D? And everybody was like, yeah, okay. Wait, do I have to do it like Matt Mercer does it? <laughs> um, and then you get the the other stuff, which is like a slightly more relaxed and isn't so relaxed is the wrong word. Like not so rule heavy, I guess. Yeah, rule cool, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I feel like everybody has um the impression of um Matthew Mercer's world that he knows all of it all of the time he has an encyclopedic rolodex of knowledge in his head of Alexandria and I don't think that that's actually the case um it's the again it's that case of everybody sees a tapestry and actually it's a fishing net with holes in it 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'll here. Let me. I'll give my review of of the three real quick. <laughs> Very nice, okay. nice brief review. You know how I feel about Dimension Twenty. I I like <laughs> it because I laugh a lot with this. Mm-hmm. It's it's comedy, uh, comedy. Wow, college humor, comedy <laughs> people. Right? They're they're improv yeah. artists. They work yeah. together. There's a lot. If in fact, if you liked that crew, college humor's sketches going years back are like that group essentially. So like, mm-hmm. you can kind of get to know them through their sketches. Um, they're very, very funny just on their own. So when they commit themselves to these characters, you know, there's also acting influence that goes in. So it's like these are also sort of actors in a way. Um, yeah. It's just it's very well done. And and I think what I think pulls up together is the extra effort with the, excuse me, the art and the mm-hmm. uh, editing. The show mm-hmm. is very cleanly edited and they've yes. taken time to get assets like music and art and um their battle maps like for like fights and stuff they get like 3d maps and stuff either physically or in like a 3d space i think that uh the thing to take from dimension 20 uh, dimension 20s dnd shows is that they are um i mean if you're wanting to produce something like that that they are pretty simple i think actually in terms of components like um fantasy high is a three camera setup um and um you know i don't think that there's anything that they're doing that i couldn't do which feels a little bit arrogant to say out loud (laughs) (laughs) well i mean yeah technically in a technical sense like in a technical sense like it feels achievable and i think that opens it up to the way that you might feel about it does that make sense like yeah it's uh, just they they go the extra mile and i think that that mm -hmm. it's it's very there's like like it's like a really good flapjack right which i think is a different thing in the the united states sorry so this an- analogy might not work it's like three ingredients with a really really good ingredients like really premium ingredients and you have a really good product because of that mm-hmm. like the method is kind of simple but the i mean yeah it's like the, uh mac and cheese is simple but people still love mac and cheese right um mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a great uh, analogy but dimension 20 is great for that <laughs> The Adventure Zone here, it's a little different, uh, a little bit dialed back, right? Because it's a podcast, so there's not really a visual. Yeah. However, the editing is fucking sharp. Griffin is, is amazing yeah, is. with the editing. Mm-hmm. He also writes the music. the music, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I mean, the intro theme he didn't write, but like everything else he writes for the freaking thing. And then um, the fact that they are a family and that they already yeah. do podcasts and stuff. Even the dad was like a radio host. So... Mm-hmm. Um, there's this chemistry yeah, there's and this charisma about them that mm-hmm. pulls you in. You want to like, even though it's, it's just like any other group of people playing D and D in a sense of like, they're discovering it for the first time. That's sort of the joy mm-hmm. of watching like the balance arc is them getting into D and D for the first time as this sort of already like established group of very charismatic mm-hmm individuals that make a podcast together so they're like they very competent storytellers right Mm -hmm. and you and competent at that as a group as well there are definitely times when you can feel or you can hear rather uh one of them like 
setting up the shot for the other to take right yeah like throwing the perfect ball for the other one to hit um and that is again like really good improv that's it works so well because they know each other so well obviously yeah i mean they're brothers right that's that's the draw was like they're funny and stuff just on their own but the chemistry mm -hmm. and their their ability to play off each other so well because they've known each other their whole lives is not to be understated that is something mm -hmm. that none of the other groups have to that extent which is one of the reasons why adventure zone does so well um but also it's because balance arc again is them discovering the game for the first time so there's that also novelty of them figuring it out together which is really nice and then for critical role i would say the draw of that, from what I can understand, is that these are all voice actors, and they, when they get into character, they really get into character. <laughs> and and Mercer is also similar to Brennan, great with accents, great with world building. I have a certain quality of life stuff that I don't really care for. I don't like that they don't edit it down. I don't like that they don't use more uh, maps and art and stuff. Like the first episode of season <laughs> three, there wasn't a map or anything like... It was just Matt Mercer looking at the camera, explaining all these proper nouns to me. That I'm like, I don't know what any of these places are. Like, I have no context for any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I couldn't envision the world he was trying to describe. And I was immediately yeah. sort of like taken away from it. But if there was like a map graphic that could fly in or, and, sh and we could see where everything was, mm -hmm. that would have been very helpful. That, that would have been a little thing they could have done to make it better. So it's like my gripes are very minor, but like... That is better for people if they want to get really lost into these characters and sucked into. In fact, I would say, actually, that the kind of investment people get into Critical Role, if I may say so, Jen, is similar mm -hmm. to the investment I've seen people get into High Hopes Love Roles. <laughs> that people <I> really <laughs> care about these characters. They really want to the... get invested in them, you know? Honestly, I was going to say that the the comparison for me is like it is uh, like Lord of the Rings, right? Um, like it's a really long. Like I don't know if you've read the Lord of the Rings, but like um, Tolkien's like really word heavy, and um, it's like kind of dense. But if you're if you if you're in it, like if, for example, right? Like you had a hard time like breaking into that and getting like sucked into it. But if you can get sucked into it then you're good for four hours right right um <laughs> uh but i'll take i'll take that very generous compliment thank you very much <laughs> that's a very nice of thing for you to say I, I i don't know i don't know if um necessarily if we're all consciously chasing critical role but i feel like subconsciously we probably all are so that's I, a very nice thing for you to say yeah, I, i'm just saying that like the way that the story is it's it's a more of a there's comedic moments but i would say that it's more of a drama than it is a comedy maybe dramedy yeah dramedy yeah mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and so like that lends itself to people who want to take a story a story seriously seriously like they yeah, they see yeah. that and they like gravitate towards that and like i take a, a bit of a different approach because i can't take myself so seriously at first <laughs> that i'm like i i try to be more uh comedic with stuff because i 
I mean, D&D, for me, like, especially with the groups I play, and we, we clown on each other all the time. I know that's, like, very common for every mm-hmm. group, but, like, I was going to finish a story. Okay, let me just rewind a little bit. When I was talking about college <laughs> and how I don't, yeah. I was going to say I don't write poetry and I don't write short fiction anymore because I went to college and I learned that I'm not really super into that type of media. But I did learn yeah. that I, uh, I, I like dialogue. And mm-hmm. I had a playwriting class that I got an A plus in, and the professor Ooh. fucking loved me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why she liked me so much, but she really thought that my dialogue was really good, and it made me kind of confident. And so, like when I do script writing and stuff, and then I kind of revise it, and 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 I give the lines to like voice actors. Usually, I don't have to do too much directing. They kind of get it really quick. They're like, "Oh, I get what you're doing." And that feels pretty good, too. And then when I've put out cartoons, people say, wow, the dialogue's really good. So I keep getting this positive reinforcement on the dialogue. Like, oh, yeah, your dialogue's really good. But I I can't do drama or dramatic moments until I've made you laugh, I feel like. Like, if I can't get you to, like, smile and laugh at the jokes and the silliness, I can't do proper drama because... I, I would feel like who like you wouldn't be invested yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like do you watch drama? Because I don't watch any at all. Like I didn't. I read Game of Thrones, but I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Like I think I watched halfway through the first season, and I was like, I don't really want to live this again. And that that's kind <laughs> of been my um, feeling towards any drama that's an actual drama since then which i i suppose you could say is pretty childish <laughs> no i don't like um, drama really it's a, it, the thing is i'm always more into comedy because when i sit down to be entertained i want to laugh and be happy yeah. rather mm-hmm. yeah i want to be happy if i'm gonna if i'm gonna sit down and be uh uh watching a drama it's gotta be something that's like has some sort of other thing attached to it that's useful, like it's a, a biopic mm-hmm. or historical piece, maybe, or like, oh yeah, yeah or yeah, maybe yeah. it's like by watching this drama because it's a classic movie that I now have something to talk about with people who love raving about this movie, like Parasite, for example, not a comedy. I've not seen it though, and it's one of those things where it's like I need to see this so I could have conversations with people because it's like. <laughs> It's one of those yeah. movies that everybody... It's in the zeitgeist of our culture mm-hmm. now. Man, talking about stuff in the zeitgeist, the thing that that is for me is Squid Game. Like, I um, uh, I cannot... I can't watch it. It's too violent. Um, And I guess I'm... I guess I'm just too sensitive. <laughs> um, But I just can't... I just know I can't take it. I saw, like, a 30-second trailer of somebody pleading for their life, and I was like, hmm... That's going to be with me for a week. So the whole show's not on the table. And I think yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm I'm like suffering sort of uh, through the wave of uh, Squid Game related stuff that I can't interact with. Yeah, it's it. I'm same one because I don't have Netflix and two because like it's depressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like uh, I if. If it was okay, so uh, what's that series called? Mocking Jay or whatever. Um, Game of th- or Hunger oh, Games. Oh, the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like that's a very serious sort of like series too. But in that series, there's a bit of a hope at the end. There's a promise that Katniss will figure it out. She's gonna mm-hmm. have yeah. her happy ending. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. It's a good revolutionary story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what uh, d- doesn't have that? Squid Game. I don't feel like there is a happy ending. I don't know the ending. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it feels like it's going to end badly no matter what. And I, you know, that's one yeah. of the reasons why I'm like, I don't like this and I don't really want to watch it because it feels like it's just going to bum me out and I don't want to be bummed out. I'm already well bummed out enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you think I might have just revealed the reason why uh, High Hopes is what it is? (laughs) Because there's going to be some hope at the end that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Like, and and for me, it's like, I don't know. Here's here's the thing. I want to I want to clue people in onto why maybe maybe this applies for your group too with High Hopes. Uh, but why I want to tell the story I want to tell, maybe, is when I started playing Curse of Strahd with my friends in 2017, it was a way of kind of keeping sane and keeping in touch with people while we were in the Peace Corps mm-hmm. in another country where nobody speaks English. And like, this was a, a way of feeling like there's some normalcy was playing d d mm-hmm. We did not all know each other very well. We were all new volunteers had just sort of met each other like that past year. And so we weren't like all the closest of friends. And even to this day, like there are people who are in that original group that I don't really talk to anymore. Not because like I had a falling out with them or something, but just because we drifted apart. Yeah, just That's just the way things yeah. are. Yeah. Um, but like that was the first game I ever played that had me obsessed about a game. Like, like I used to get that way when I was playing Pathfinder, like way early on, just because I liked the game in general, but the story didn't obsess. I was, I was obsessed with my own character and like how I was going to level him up and shit. I was very video game obsessed with it in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas this is the first time that the story was keeping me up at night. And like... Towards the end of that game, there were so so many crazy... When I learned more about Curse of Strahd and how it's written as a module and what we did in that module, I'm like, there's no way I can't tell this story. I have to tell this story. I told, In fact, I actually like spoiled a little bit of it for a friend of mine uh, like a week ago. And it reminded <laughs> me of like why I cannot give up on the Peace Guild. I can't because it's just too interesting. It's like, there's just the way, the choices we made and the shit that we did. I was like, I've never seen that before or since in a fucking game. The way that we decided to go about things was just like, it felt like once in a lifetime. And I didn't see it coming. And I'm hoping that I can do the same for other people. I'm hoping I can get, make it so that people don't see it coming for us as well. I want, I want to share that experience, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause like. It's the the drama that came from that was so organic and it and it only worked so well because we joked and 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 had a lot of fun and tried to like use mm-hmm. humor as a way of like cuz like it's a it's a horror themed game right so like yeah, yeah, yeah. humor is your way of coping if it wasn't for that i don't think the drama would have hit as hard personally um have you uh i remember uh, a little while ago on twitter um i was saying something about 
Tom Cardi um, and uh, how I had r- realized that he was the same Tom Cardi who uh, did the the music on yes. Driving Friends. Um, have you have you listened to? I have the tab is still open. <laughs> I have not listened to them yet. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So for some context, uh, Dragon Friends is another live play D and D, but um, it's Australian. Uh, it's more comedians, um, and they so they do like a hour or two hour live show once or they did pre-quarantine once a month and then that gets split into two episodes and they are i mean they are hilarious um uh and i can't think about strad without thinking about them and ben jenkins choice to make strad into like really really aussie (laughs) like um (laughs) Like, I don't know how to translate the words. I don't even know if it applies, but in England, we'd say chav. Um, I think <laughs> like I'm familiar the with the term. <laughs> equivalent of a chav. I don't even know if that works. I'm like trying to translate for you chav to American, but also I don't know if the if it, it is the correct is word. Is it to like use. Uh, uh, dude Australian. bro or something? Uh, no, not quite. It's. um. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe I'll, it. It's not you know what? Hold on. I'll um, do some but like, um, on-the-spot Fucking Strahd, they, they turn up in his castle and he goes, G'day! Welcome to me castle! Um, like, <laughs> he says the C word and then I don't... I, I feel like um, <laughs> that's a bit strong for your mostly American audience. Um, and then, you know, he's like that throughout the whole fucking uh show but this is great i'm looking it up and it says chav a young person of a type characterized by brash and loudish behavior usually with connotations of low social status and then there's a question it says people also ask how do i become a chav uk the word chav started as a primarily British term and refers to a young male who dresses and acts a certain way. To be a chav, you must display a fascination with Burberry clothing and fake gold jewelry. <laughs> a chavette is the female version of a chav. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> a chavette. Yeah, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> I feel like these are just traits of a chav, but not it's not getting to the core of what a chav is. Um yeah, you know, I don't know if you ever if you have this in the States, but a while ago it became popular in the UK for businesses to install anti uh anti youth uh, um protocols or measures or whatever. But basically what that was is they'd put like a box on the building that admitted a noise at a really high frequency that people oh, yeah. over 30 couldn't hear. <laughs> and as you got older and you stopped being able to hear this really fucking annoying noise, it was like a sign that you were uh, becoming old, that you could stand outside of a shop without being uh, irritated or in immense pain. Um, because uh, like groups of youths in tracksuits would hang outside of like 
Tesco. This is very UK niche, as most things that the wizards are in tends to skew. I'm very sorry. We don't have to talk about this anymore. I'm, I'm talking fascinated. About I don't... Because I, uh, you know, I've never been to the UK, but uh, I've seen a lot That's of right. British... I mean, Brit- Britain's sort of like, I guess Hollywood is just, I guess, London. But, like, they have a lot of media that reaches the States, and so I've seen a lot of, like, British movies and stuff, and so I'm kind of fascinated mm-hmm. with the country a little bit, but, like, uh, I don't actually know um, much about, like, the day-to-day culture of, like, living in the UK. Uh, it's very... I don't know. I feel like it is what what it it looks like. <laughs> would you, you say know? Would you say um, that uh, Shaun of the Dead is very accurate? Fuck it, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah um, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so the important thing to uh, note, I mean, obviously, like a lot of uh, media would be consumed by. Uh, Sorry, you Americans. Um, uh, what do you mean, you like, people? <laughs> you Yankees is um, like uh, London centric, right? Um, Britain is okay. So it's actually the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So Britain refers to England, Scotland, and Wales, and the United Kingdom is. England, Scotland, and Wales, and Northern Ireland. <laughs> um, right, yeah. And Britain is the, the name of the island, for people who don't know. That's the actual island's name, is Britain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the chunk of the islands that is England, Scotland, and Wales. Um, uh, and we... Uh, even though the UK is way smaller than the United States is, we still have a lot of... Um, uh problems with like you know like london centrism for example right like um wales and scotland are separate countries uh with separate parliaments but a lot of you know not even until my lifetime a lot of their laws were uh you know, voted upon in Westminster in London. So, um, yeah, classically, I'm to it, say that, like, you know, Britain is what it looks like in in the media, <laughs> but it, it kind of is. We yeah, are, I mean, because also, like, that has been historically a thing in in mm. the area is that London just kind of takes priority over pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere else and yeah that's annoying for a lot of people i'm sure yeah uh we're at the moment we're building a fucking train called hs2 which is high high speed 2 which runs from london to manchester i think um because the sort of overwhelming conception conception no uh, the, consensus the sort of, consensus right in westminster in london is where the money is coming from is that people don't want to go people want to go uh north to south right they want people want to come to london so you will when the train is finished be able to to go from london to manchester in like 35 minutes or something which is cool i guess but you can't go across the country right like you can't do 
you can do like the 125 miles or whatever it is from London to Manchester in 35 minutes, but you can't do the 75 miles from coast to coast the other way. Right, to get from like hours. Wales to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, like on public transport, it takes like, you want to do 30 miles, it's going to take you six and a half hours. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because uh, London centrism. Anyway. Um, how did we get here? I don't know. Oh. This has been fun. We are, we're at like a, a, an hour 30, so I think we could probably call it for this yeah, podcast. cut out all of that garbage, that's for sure. Oh, needs to know I'll, about you that. know, I'll probably leave most of this stuff in. There's only a couple of things <laughs> I might cut out, but like, oh, this no. has been such a fun conversation, Jenny. Thank you for hey, coming man, on. anytime. I have... would be lying if I said I wasn't watching your podcast, sort of waiting for the invitation to come on in. <laughs> Oh my god. So, okay, it feels great and also kind of bad in the sense that, like, I have so many people to ask. There's just so many people that I have on my list of people to invite. There are pending invitations of people that I invited and I think they forgot about it and I don't want to bother them. So, I like, I want to gently remind them, like, hey, are you still interested in that? So, like, I have, you know, and I don't want to overwhelm myself with too many mm-hmm. invitations at once because then I get what happens with this uh, past, like, two months where I had, like, four guests on back to back to back. And, like, it, that's just a lot of editing now that I have to do it. So I'm trying to pace it out. So I've I've always had you guys on the radar. I've always wanted to invite you on. Oh, thanks. I, I also did, just didn't know who to invite because you're, like, yeah, a big team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, hey, if, if anybody else from the wizards uh wants to be on this is a, a, still an open invitation i don't have like a unlocked like zoom account but if like people are in the same <laughs> physical location and want to just like have like multiple people on at the same time on like the same mic or something that's cool too i don't mind uh just if you want to pass that along i know you've already had like a conversation yeah. with them about like availability this month but it's open invitation mm. indefinitely if you want to oh thanks man I, I will definitely uh <laughs> i'll definitely pass it along i did speak to amy about it who um uh is the only other wizard in my physical location and uh there was like a split moment of panic where she was like do i have to do it on my own i said no i can be there too and she was like okay that's cool because i don't know how to answer questions <laughs> <laughs> who are you and she, <laughs> Amy <laughs> um, and Amy said to me that whenever she was talking to you and the others you would ask her a question you know in conversation and she would talk for 20 minutes about something not related at all <laughs> 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 I don't know how true that is, um, but <laughs> I don't remember being twenty minutes. But <laughs> but you do remember it. <laughs> I uh, well, I, I kind of it, like I don't know. It happens. I I, oh, I, I mean, just exa- we're not exactly innocent of it. This podcast is. <laughs> I'm not is like the arbiter of conversation. <laughs> like we better not get on any tangents, uh, you know, or else I'll hit you with a fine or something. Like. people are allowed to tangent she doesn't need to feel nervous about that Uh, anyway we'll we'll wrap up this podcast Uh, (laughs) thank you for being on can you tell everybody where they can find you Jenny oh okay yeah I actually have a bit of a spiel are you ready um uh we have uh our youtube channel is uh youtube.com forward slash the shrieking wizard co you can find us on twitter at swizzaco and on instagram at the shrieking wizard co and we're on Tumblr at highhopesthereolls.tumblr.com. 
Um, and if you, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter for my political opinions, I'm at Jenny L. Bud, I think. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you for being on, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. My pleasure, my dude. I had a lot of fun. Thanks very much for having me.